It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. the button it works better it's carcone carne still here in quarantine i'm james van hostel and the podcast is lovingly brought to you by happy to meet you if you live in the chicago chicago area city suburbs exurbs happy to meet you will take care of you they bring to your home contactless free local delivery next day the same cuts of meat you would get if you went to a big fancy chicago steakhouse you don't have to dress up you can just throw on your sweatpants and a T-shirt, and there it is. Steakhouse quality meat delivered to your door. I, I've been ordering from them nonstop. You know, I'm, I'm at home every night, as so many of us are and have to be. Uh, so I want to have meals that don't suck. So I use Happy to Meet You. I, I've had their steak. I've had their pork chops. I've had their hot Italian sausage. You can order that stuff, too. If you use my promo code CARNE, C-A-R-N-E, it's Spanish for meat, they will come to your house next day local free delivery and they'll throw in a full pound of the mother chucker burger that's two gigantic patties i've had that too fantastic happy to meet you it is happy to meet m-e-a-t letter u.com again use my promo code this week only carne do it now or forever hold your meat my guest today from across this great country of ours this vast expanse of land it is haley crusher kane from haley and the crushers just a delightful band, just a delightful person. We met, uh, we did the virtual T1 Fest last month. That's how we kind of came in contact with one another. Uh, I got to watch you play virtually. This is the world we live in. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't know what to expect when you popped into the Zoom. I kind of thought maybe I'd see you sitting poolside, drinking a zombie out of like a tiki mug. I, I kind of expected cool glasses. I, I'm like one for three on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let I mean, I, everything you're, you're. This is exactly how I want to be seen. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm always say, just perfectly poised on a pool float. You know, eating an ice cream cone. You know, it's it's never it's never a bad day over here. <laughs> I think having a distinct look can be every bit as important as having a distinct sound, especially for a band like Haley and the Crushers. Definitely a video focused band. I, I think that image, that bandality is really important in the present day. Is that fair to say? I like the word bandality. I'm not sure if it's a real word. I love that bandality. Um, yeah, my sister was a ham growing up. She was really into Rocky Horror Picture Show and she shaved her head and wore like Ziggy Stardust paint <laughs> on her face and shaved her eyebrows and became a Buddhist and like, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I'm boring compared to her. So I think my whole life, I've just tried to live up to my my big sister because she uh, I always admired her and she was always like such a wild child, you know. And also, I mean, what's the point of doing anything if it's not a little bit of a spectacle? Because, you know, you need a little oomph in your life. So that's, that's kind of how we operate as a band. God, I remember as a kid going to see those midnight shows of Rocky Horror. I, I remember going to like in the Chicago suburbs. I think we went to the Randhurst theater and i i think i came of age watching susan sarandon on screen in that movie that was a particularly enlightening time in my life i think i was like eight when i saw it at a friend's house <laughs> which is terrible but 
hey, gender's not a thing anymore. So I guess it was ahead of its time. But uh, I did watch it again on Halloween and um, it was delightful. It made me so happy. It just like, it brought so much joy. Like when Meatloaf comes in on the motorcycle, it's just like epic. He's my favorite. And Tim Curry's the best. (laughs) And Tim Curry, yeah. (laughs) So this is... You know, if there wasn't a pandemic going on right now, this is this is a food podcast. We'd be meeting at a restaurant. Actually, we probably wouldn't because we're separated by geography, but I'd be at a restaurant eating food. Are you a foodie? I know you were a food writer at one point. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And when we're on tour, it's always like we got the hot Italian beef. We got the pizza. We got the Chicago dogs. We got in St. Louis. We did the barbecue like I actually made them turn the van around because we did, hadn't gotten a Chicago dog and we were leaving Chicago the first time we toured there. And I was like, no, we have to get the Chicago dog. And I think it we went to Franny's maybe. And um, uh, Reed was like, it's 10 a.m. You really want me to turn the car around? You already had breakfast. And I was like, I must eat it. So I'm a total freak about food. So I was hoping you would ask me about meat. Oh, well, that's fantastic. And the thing is, you see in other cities and other states, people trying to reproduce the Chicago dog and it's never the same. It truly is never the same unless you get it in Chicago, get that Vienna beef, you got the snap, you get the steamed bun. There's nothing like it. And there's nothing wrong with having it at 10 a.m. To your point, one hot dog's not filling. It's like a snack. Right. I'm like, well, you're shaming me for this. This is like a delicacy. Um, out here, we have our chili dogs and I didn't really know, like, I was like, Chicago dog, whatever. It's like a hot dog. Who gives a crap? I mean, I was excited about it, but I didn't think it was going to be like I had to have it, but I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was like those little tiny peppers. Oh, the sport peppers. Yeah. Why why don't we have those in the West Coast? Like, why do you only get the sport peppers? I never even heard. I never even heard of the term sport peppers before. (laughs) Well, and you probably don't have access or easy access to Jardinera, which is very much Chicago, which is the, the, the pickled vegetables, the spicy in oil which is just glorious. I could put that on any sandwich I eat. We have a Mexican counterpart to that, which is in vinegar and it's, you know, carrots and, and, and um, radishes sure. and it's, you know, the Mexican style. We get that, but the, yeah, the oil with the amazing vegetables. No, like it was a whole new world. It was a whole new world. I was so stoked. And, and the Mexican vinegar with the vegetables you describe, plenty of taquerias in, in the Chicago area have that it's shared from you know customer to customer, like it's never lifted up and cleaned out and replaced on the table. It's just this communal <laughs> silver, silver pail of that vinegar and oil that everyone just, just kind of silver pail of vinegar. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you are on the West Coast, specifically pronounce your city San Luis Obispo, California. There it is. Didn't want to mess that up, even though I've heard it said a million times. People say it like San Louis or yeah. yes. That's why I'm careful. It's the broadcaster in me. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, the West Coast, the identity of being attached to the West Coast is really important, it seems, to your look and sound. Is there a scene in San Luis Obispo? <laughs> well, first, let me tell you, I'm very proud to be um, a multi-generational Californian. In fact, my my great, 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 great grandparents, my mom's side came from France to California to kind of where like Union Station is today and had like a winery and like, it goes way back. It goes way back. And I'm pretty excited about that history. And I love to like, you know, get into the genealogy and stuff. So it's like, it's more than just like, Ooh, California, like fun and sun. Like I, I, I'm very interested in it. Like the early Rancho history. 
Um, secondly, no, slow does not really have a scene. And I hate to say that, um, if any like local bands are watching and they're like, Haley's a total asshole, (laughs) (laughs) but okay. In order to have a scene, I feel like there needs to be enough music venues to support, uh, enough supportive music venues that bring in local bands to support that energy. As you know, I mean, Chicago is an amazing place to see local music with all sorts of venues. And we've played some of those venues that are, you know, smaller and, and more DIY. The one place we have to play right now is a donut shop. And it's like a 24 hour donut shop or open to like 2am or something like our main venues, like the venues that we used to have 10, 15 years ago are completely gone. And all the punk bands that used to come through, we had great punk bands, big named acts come through from San Francisco to Los Angeles and we would get them. And it was so fun because bands like my, my old punk band and other people's bands and an actual scene that was around was able to, you know, open up for these bands and that has completely gone away. And um, it's really sad to think, you know, with COVID, like there's going to be even less yeah. infrastructure for, for, for bands. So to, to answer your question, I'm, I'm really a person who tours and a person who travels because I get to plug into the amazing music scenes in other places. And I'm glad that they accept me and like, I get to do that. But yeah, it's just not like, it's not fertile here, but I think part of it, not to like be overly laboring my answer, you know, like the kids that grow up in small towns are more interesting and they're more weird. Like <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. Like oh, there's yeah. just not a lot to copy. There's not a lot to bounce off of here. So you're basically like free to just do some weird stuff, which is kind of what we did. So I think in some ways it can help a little bit if you're just kind of like, the one, you know, platypus in the, in the small pond, you know, that's actually not a bad thing. So, so okay. You're a platypus and yeah. it's interesting. I mean, yes, musicians generally like being part of this community and scene, but I think to your point, you're a touring animal. And when you're off the road, it's nice to kind of, I'm sure decompress and have your own private corner of the world. And I, the reason why this resonates or makes so much sense to me right now, I, I just watched um, the Letterman interview with Dave Chappelle and Chappelle has taken a taken root in this weird little community in rural Ohio where he's not superstar David, David Chappelle. He's just the local guy who happens to probably have big property there. And everyone's kind of weird. It's a very accepting, tolerant community, but he doesn't have to be on when he's home. And so I, I kind of cool. get that from That's the perspective cool. of Haley and the Crushers. That's super cool. I just watched his part of his new special and yeah, he's, he's doing it. He's great. He's great. He's going to, he's just going to like age like a fine wine, you know, he's just, nothing is sacred. (laughs) You talked about the donut shop and you put out a single uh, this past summer called Jacaranda. And in the video, there is a place in the video, uh, the Rancho bowl. Is that a real place? Because I would totally hang out there if I were in a punk band. Isn't it? Oh, it is in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's in Santa Maria. It's um, a couple miles away. But yeah, it's a really great old mid-century bowling alley. I love that. It's funny you say that because the best bowling alleys I went to on tour were like in the Midwest. And I feel like we don't even have good bowling alleys compared to you guys. Um, God, there was this one. I, I'm going to be my, my, my friend Dougie who took us there. He's from um, Detroit. He's going to kill me because I don't remember where this was. What's I think it was in St. Louis. I don't remember where it was, but um, they had ashtrays like in the seats and they were all like chrome. 
<laughs> you, this is normal to you, I guess. But I was like, whoa, it is. Like, it is. everything about this place was just like perfect 60s, like just grandma. I loved it so much. And yeah, Rancho Bowl is like the closest we have, but we don't have like the ashtrays. So I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I can't imagine in the present day me tolerating this from my children. But back when I was a kid, we would go hang out at the bowling alley all day. Bye, mom and dad. We're going to go play video games at the bowling alley. And we you know, get stacks of quarters, load them up on the pinball games and the video games. And we just spend the day as, you know, in, in this cloud of smoke, because everyone was just chain smoking like crazy and drinking beer in leagues in the middle of the afternoon. I can't imagine sending my kids off to the bowling alley for a full day. It's in the CD, 21st century. CD, it's a CD yeah. thing for sure. But um, I did hang out at the bowling alley as a kid as well, because I spent half my time here in this area in central coast of California and half in like her uh, beach, Hermosa beach. And so when I was up here, there wasn't much going on. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a record store. We had nothing. And so I would just go play the Simpsons video game and be Marge. I loved Marge. Cause like she would like hit people with like the stroller or her purse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, it's funny because um i definitely did hang out at the bowling alley and i remember one time this old lady posted like this big notice in front of the bowling alley that was like bowling alley hoodlums get out of here or something i have it i still have it and it was like the most amazing rant about how the kids today hanging out at the bowling alley were you know getting into playing pool and like it was so funny it was so like retro you know because like you said like it's a bowling alley like it's on a shooting range. Like what are the kids supposed to do? <laughs> I certainly didn't have anything to do. And every punk show that happened was at a Masonic temple or like someone's backyard or even, you know, not at all. So what's the choice, you know, Masonic temple. Oh yeah. So yeah. You, you mentioned your sister who went through her, her Bowie phase and went in that direction. Uh, did your interest in music literally start with the go-go's? No. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's like, do you, do you retroactively think of these things because it makes sense for your music? Maybe a little bit, but I do remember being like seven, eight years old and seeing um, my mom's copy of beauty and the beat, the CD and putting it on. And I definitely remember bouncing around with a hairbrush singing. We got the beat. I do remember that. So, um, but I mean, I think, I think everybody's kind of first musical experience is almost like, it's almost like it's not even something that you are aware of. Like, I know for me, it was a lot of like K-Earth 101, oldies. They were always happening around me. There was jazz happening. And like, you kind of suck that up or you don't. And, yeah. you know, living in a household that is artistic or creative in any way, which I did, thankfully. And my parents were into music and my mom listened to Elvis Costello. And she had been in New York in the late seventies when the Ramones were just starting and Patti Smith. And so she had a basic context for punk so she had cool albums and stuff and I think that more than anything is just that access as a kid to be like oh this is a thing that exists in the world and I never even thought I would do anything with it I just thought oh this is a thing cool that's a window that I might be able to crawl out of at some point if I need to you know totally uh, back on the bowling alley tip natalie in the facebook live says i totally grew up hanging out at bowling alleys i shoot pool and play video games and use the payphone and eat pizza that was it welcome to the midwest that's 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 how we rolled way back when like mid 80s and into the 90s and early 2000s i have to say because you know bowling alleys haven't changed that much fair really uh now, now your husband who's also in the band uh, is he a total geek like and i mean that in the kindest like 
part of my community kind of way. He's a comic he book shop. He owned a, a comic book oh. store for 10 years. So, yeah. So <laughs> let him know that he is missed tonight because I'd be happy to talk about any number of things ranging from the Justice League to Legion of Superheroes. I'm just going to let him stay in the living room because I do not want to go there. <laughs> You've had enough. Does, does he have like a, a room of comics that you just, you're not allowed oh. to touch? Oh, James. So if you just like walk around our house, it's like just like kicking over long boxes here and long boxes there and slab things. And he doesn't own this. He sold the shop so we could tour more, which is like, what an amazing human. I'm married to the best man in the world that he would do that. But um, he still like sells them and stuff. So he's got, you know, really high grade, fancy comic books that are nine, whatever points whatever the, the fact that you said slabbed means yeah you're you're plugged yeah into so there's all this stuff happening around our house and and you know that's you know at night when we're reading it's like he's reading his like i don't know weird old like 50s like like horror comic that he found that's like really esoteric and weird and i'm over here reading like an actual novel you know <laughs> and i love comics too i love graphic novels a lot and i'm i do love them i'm just te teasing him but it is funny that he's you know a grown man covered in tattoos and yeah he's like the biggest comic book nerd in the world and i love him i get it. it now it, you guys have a lot to talk about apparently no doubt when this is all over when this pandemic's over and you come back to chicago uh, i'll i'll feed you italian beef or chicago dogs and we'll we'll talk comics I'd love that. I'd love Today. that. <laughs> uh, I, I had Chris Connolly on earlier tonight. I did a podcast earlier with Chris Connolly of Ministry and Revolting Cox. And he's highly literate, always reading all the time. And I asked him the question, and I'll ask you, since we're talking about reading, do you prefer having the physical book in your hand or are you more of a Kindle tablet reader in the modern As day? Somebody who is married to a person that goes to bed early I like a Kindle. And also as someone who likes to live in a van, sometimes I like the Kindle. It's just easier. Yeah. If you're on tour, forget it. You don't want to bring stacks of books or comics. Yeah. And just, just waking up your partner kind of sucks. And I feel like having that reading light on is just kind of like at a certain point, it's like, who is your, is, is the, is your partner's sleep worth more worth it? Or is the book more worth it? And it's like, it's always the, you know, let him sleep, you know? So as much as I like to have a book and I have my little lamp and everything, like I, it's, it's nice to be incognito and just be up at like 1am, like reading some like weird book by myself, you know, like, like a little kid, like yeah. under the covers of my Kindle. It's worth noting. We're doing a podcast right now. You are also a podcast host. You do your sure. own interviews. Oh, come on. You talk to Josie Cotton, Ben true. Weasel. True. That's very true. Bad you know, cop, bad funny, cop. I don't know about you. You're a radio guy. So it's like I, the podcasting thing must have really come easy to you. I don't know. I, it, it did. But I think I'm an anomaly. I, I, this is something I wrestle with all the time. I, I wish more actual broadcasters would get into podcasting. I, I feel like a lot of radio people have abdicated their throne of audio and let amateurs run the space and there are so many radio people who haven't made the transition and i i, I don't get it I, they should all be planting their flag here hell yeah that is a very punk rock way to think and i commend you for that i think that's great i think people are scared and they're they're just stuck in their own you know way th that things are for them and they don't want to you know try something new and it's scary and i also think podcasts is a, podcasts are kind of like zines in a way and i yes when i first moved from um 
LA area back up here in my early 20s, I was trying to get away from all the crazy punk rock partying and just the crazy scene in LA was just, I had no time to make art because I was so busy, like trying to find a place to park my car and like, just, you know, it just was like too much drama. And so I was like, I don't know anyone here. What do I do? And so I thought I'll start a zine. And so the idea behind the zine was just like, let's meet all the music people. Like let's plug into that world. And like, there was a scene here in San Luis Obispo and I got to meet wonderful artists. And that was so cool. And like having an excuse to be like, Hey, you're cool. I want to talk to you. That's the simplest thing about zines, but it's also the same with podcasts. Podcasts Absolutely. are the same thing as zines and even cheaper, really. Cause if you have a, a cell phone or a laptop or any sort of internet Wi-Fi connectivity, you're on your way to having a podcast. And I think that's a, like, I think you're completely right that this is a huge, huge opportunity that so many people are leaving on the table where maybe your podcast isn't going to be number one on iTunes. Maybe it's just going to be something you do casually. Like I pretty much do mine casually. Um, but think of all the cool people you could meet and like yeah. on the road, I could always be like, Oh, this sound person's really cool. Or like, Oh, I really like the way this person like did business in this way. Like I want to talk to them more. And so it gives you that excuse to do that without being a creep. You know, if you have a podcast, you can just be like, oh, it's for my podcast. But if you're like, hey, I just want to like get to know you, that can feel a little creepy, you know? I, I completely agree. And I, I've said this before, when the pandemic hit, I had to stop doing this in my car, my car. So I started doing this nightly from home. And at the time I thought, oh, we'll do this for a month. Then we'll be back in the car. Everything will be back to normal. Eight months later, not the case. But my initial motivation was just to keep the podcast alive. I didn't want to lose seven years of momentum, but I realized quickly now that I'm doing this at night, to your point, I'm able to meet interesting people a lot more often than I would have with my regular podcast. And I'm having conversations. I'm looking forward to this. This is giving me structure during the pandemic. And I get to, I would never have had the chance to talk to you if not for this Same. podcast. And I and really so, love that. I think that's so great. Yeah, it, it really is a fantastic opportunity. And the way you describe podcasting, comparing it to a zine, I, I think that nails it because a zine can be whatever you want it to be. And I think people get really hung up as podcasters with an episode needs to be a specific length or I need to do X, Y and Z. Fuck it. You can do whatever you want. It, it does. It should be as long as it's interesting. Then you're done. You're out. Right. Right. And it can be sort of, I think zines are kind of disposable and I think podcasts are for better or worse, a little disposable sure. and that's okay. It's like you do one, it's an okay podcast. You do another, maybe it's better. You do another one. Maybe that's what, you know, it doesn't always have to be on your permanent record. I mean, it does exist on the internet, but it, people aren't going back and listening to podcasts that are like eight years old normally. I mean, some people sure. are, but really it's, it's this like, you know, it's, it's like what you're doing here on Facebook live. And, and a lot, I mean, I've, I've been listening to some of your shows and stuff. It's like, you are on a schedule and you're just go zooming forward. You talk to a lot of amazing people. So yeah, I encourage more people to just try it out if they think that it's something they want to do. Also, maybe you don't have a face for um, TV podcast. There you go. There it is. <laughs> you know? Well, and the thing is <laughs> what I found I've had, larger guests in terms of stature and, and accomplishments that doesn't always mean listening. What I find the episodes, I think connect more and have the most listening or video views. A lot of local independent bands, those tend to be my most successful things. And they're the most natural and DIY of everything. And I think it's because the more exposed someone is the less need there is for people to dial into that. 
I think when you're tapped into a local community, an independent community, there, there aren't a whole lot of resources to, to reflect that community. So it, I love being able to zero in on independent artists, local, national, because that to me is what people are interested in. Totally. You're on, you're on the cutting edge. Sure I am. Uh, but uh, do, you, do you like doing it? Do you, do you feel weird ever? Like when you crack the mic? No, I mean, like I was, so I'm a writer and I've been doing journal. Oh, well, I did journalism for about 10 years and I'm a marketer, freelance writer and marketer now, which means I write marketing copy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a very cool job. That's, it's, it's th- cool. those are skills that not everyone has. Sure. I shouldn't be so weird about it. Honestly, like I rather, so when I first started doing journalism, I was getting paid like 10 cents a word. And then I was getting paid like, you know, a little bit per story, whatever. And then, you know how it goes. Um, But doing marketing, it's like, I mean, it's not journalism, obviously. It's complete. It's just complete lies. It's basically magic. It's like I'm conjuring up a magical, you know, concoction to make someone do something. You know, it's it's pretty it's marketing is really wild. It's totally super weird. But um. What was I going to say? Oh yeah. So just the amount of money that you can make doing that. And if you're working for clients, you respect and you like, and of course I only work with like people, like I work for um, a local food co-op and I work for different wineries here. Like I like my clients and I'm not doing anything nefarious with what I'm, what I'm doing, but I just realized like, wow, you can say you're a writer and work for a newspaper or magazine and feel really like you got a lot of street cred, but you're not going to have money for toilet paper. Or, you know, you can take the same writing skills and you can apply them to, you know, other avenues. And that's what I've kind of been doing the last like five years is just uh, all that sort of website copy, yeah. marketing copy, all that stuff. Um, I don't remember what the question was, but anyways, that's kind of what I do um, when I'm not playing music. So that's kind of what supports, supports the life. Well, it, it helps the band too. I mean, those are skills that are invaluable. Yeah. Oh, the question you were asking if it's weird to interview people. So I was interviewing people a lot every week for, um, I used to work for a twice weekly paper and I would interview, do photos, do layout for the community section. Like it was wild. Like I, I learned so much from that job. Cause it was like, wow. Like I, it was like, you write the story, you get it done. Somebody looks it over, then you look it over again. And then you like put it up on the page and you print it out and then everyone looks at it again. And, and it was a really small team and being in a small town community setting, like I learned a lot, but I also learned, wow, like when you interview people, you, um, there's like kind of a, a formula to it. And there's also like a way to know, like when people are like pulling back or if they're Mm-hmm. trying to change a subject or asking, you know, if you're not asking, you know, rich enough questions that are not going to lead to a good answer. Like that took me about 10 years, but now that I've done it, I feel like I can really interview and walk up to most anyone and kind of connect with them. And I think that's a really valuable skill. Um, right. It's gotten, it's helped me out in like show situations where there's either maybe a conflict with like booking or there's, you know, trying to get paid or, you know, just trying to like interface with people that are just, you know, kind of not on the same wavelength as you, like if you have that ability to interview or not just interview, but just connect with people one-on-one and like, you know, figure out what they want, what makes them tick, you know, like what, what's really happening between the lines. I think that's a super valuable thing to know. And like, I'm glad that I learned that even though I made literally no money for most of my career, because I was in print journalism, which I can't even believe my college I went to allowed me to get a degree in print journalism in 2009. Like 
it was a sinking ship then, you know, and like now it's like it's underwater. You know? <laughs> I, I got a degree in broadcasting. I didn't need a math class to get my four year degree. So I, I get it. You know, yeah. market, I, I like marketing and I appreciate marketing. The thing I don't like about marketing is the language of marketing, the, the, the industry talk. The second I hear words like funnel and all the, the jargon, I'm out. Like yeah. it, takes, it takes all the interesting stuff out of it for me. And clearly that's why I'm not in marketing. But that, I, I did digital marketing for about a year and I went to a conference or two and hearing people like super serious marketers talk to one another, I thought, I can't do that. I can't be that guy. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm more of a content creator. I, I really don't talk about synergy or anything <laughs> like that either. <laughs> but it's uh, good. I think we all have to take the skills we have. And like, I always knew, I always kind of knew I was going to do something with writing. And that was like my main skill. Like I just knew that was the one thing that I was going to need to cling to, to like survive as an adult. And so I found a way to do that without having to have like a nine to five job. So I'm happy with that. You know, as a writer, I, I, I spend a lot of time on social media. I, I do digital stuff by day. I see the same memes shared all the time. It drives me insane when people share memes with misspelled words or bad punctuation. Does that, does that even? Yeah. I mean, if it's a meme, it's like, it's a meme. I don't know. I feel like memes are their own territory. What bothers me, and I'll just tell you my pet peeves right here. Number one, when you see a band bio or any sort of like bio or story about a person and the first sentence is like, this person was born in Idaho, like, People that don't put the most important information first, it makes me want to email them and be like, I read through the thing. Here's the chunk that's actually interesting. Put that at the top, oh put a couple adjectives in there. That's what I really, that's what really pisses me off. Cause I'm just like, you are burying the lead so far down and people don't know how to sell the thing about them. That's special. And you and usually you need someone else to tell you that. I mean, we all do. So it is kind of fun to have that puzzle and to help people with that. So I actually don't necessarily mind it too much. Uh, that's a great point. And it's something I, I bring up all the time. Yeah. Lead with the most interesting stuff. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as where someone is born, there's a reason why no one likes to watch superhero origin movies. <laughs> Let's just get right to the fight with Dr. Octopus. We don't want to see the radioactive spider bite, the discovery. Let's just jump right to it. Let's, let's begin with action. Let's, let's not have that build. Or just get rid of all the superhero movies altogether. I don't know I what you're talking about. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> so Haley and the Crushers busy this year. You started the year with Vintage Millennial. It's true. Uh, I mentioned Jacaranda, the EP, which came out there. I mentioned the song. Oh, look at that. Look at the handsome vinyl. Oh, look at you come prepared, Haley. Now, all right. So there are different colored vinyl versions of the Jacaranda single. There's um, what, what do you have? You got green and periwinkle. Oh, look at that. That yeah. is so like 50s, <laughs> 60s retro. I love that. But different colors and uh, people, if they want to have and to hold uh, a physical copy of your music, they can go to Bandcamp and buy a copy. Yes. yes. Uh, I have a go to eccentric pop records, Rita records or surfing uh, key records. I have a, I have an apparel question. Uh, which probably pertains more to your bandmates than to you, but can a fez be worn by anyone? <laughs> I, f- I feel like you need a, a certain kind of uh, body type, personality type to rock the fez properly. <laughs> I 
really good point. Um, so I'm an Elks member. So the Elks, you know, do you know that the Elks, the yeah. Elks lodges, um, they're great places to stop on tour. Cause you can stop for like free or $10 to just park your van and they have cheap drinks and food and stuff. And they're a great organization. They're not like a bunch of crazy, like gun toting people. They like help kids with disabilities. Um, that, that's a great band life hack. I've never heard that from a touring band. That, that's genius. Also, if you're going to pee in a bucket in your van, put kitty litter down first. The kind that's of the clumps, the, the clumping kitty litter. It, it, the, the, the smell is dissipated. It makes sense. But we can go into that later. But I'm a, yeah, I think if you're a lodge, if you're, if you're of the lodge, I mean, the, the, the fez that Reed wears is not an elk's fez per se. I think I bought him a, it's some other, it's like some other thing. But um, if you partake in the lodge in any way, in any sort of fashion, I think you're allowed to wear any, any of the fezes that are out there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. That does take a certain kind of man. I think a beard helps to kind of like could balance I, it. Could I do a fez? Yes. Hmm. Yes, you could. Hey, there's a, uh, I was going to say there's a comic book convention. There are plenty of comic book conventions. Uh, the one that happens, the big one that happens locally is C2E2. It's been going on for like seven years at McCormick Place in Chicago. And one of the vendors that's there every year, a gigantic multi-area kiosk is Fezorama. And every oh. year I go there and there's this wide variety of Fezes. I think, oh, that, that they look like so much fun. I should buy one. And they're like, I don't know how much money they are, but I can never pull the trigger because I'm like, I'm just going to bring it home and put it on a shelf. I have no reason to own a Fez. You need a supportive partner. Your kids need to be on board. I think you need friends that are supportive. Um, I think you need a community around you that is like, this is for you, buddy. Like you're doing a good job. It's like, I, so my dad is so funny. He was like, I was like, I'm going to start wearing hats. And he went, he's like, you know, your personality is already like up here. I don't think you need a hat. I think putting a hat on it is just like one more accessory for you. Like you're, you're big enough, like maybe just tone down a little bit. You know what I mean? But like certain people, they actually need a hat in order to be like tip top. You know what I mean? Like that to get to their like personal spot, like read My husband is someone who with the hat, it's like, he suddenly becomes like, you know, the cowboy, like he needs the hat. So I just, some people are hat people. Some people aren't like, I should probably go into a business model, like where I just tell people if they're hat people or not. And like, which hats are right for them. Like beret, fez, ball cap, like. <laughs> so Jacaranda, the video, um, let's see. I mentioned the Rancho Bowl. Uh, we see you in an open field with the cool shades, the purple lipstick. Uh, and that's your dog in the video too, right? Yeah. So our dogs are always featured in the video. In fact, we're working on one right now and both the dogs are in the, the new video as well. I think that's important. Yes. Yes. Because at, at the end of the day, don't you make this for yourself? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, you know, if you have a really scruffy, ugly, cute dog, I mean, it's, you're really not, you shouldn't hoard that. You know, the world needs to see it. The world needs to see that dog. I, I mentioned that you are definitely a video focused band. Uh, yeah. I love the mermaid video blue and green. Oh, thank you. Oh, you That's, watched our videos. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. I, I love your music. It's, it's fun. It's surfy. It sounds like girl group stuff from the sixties. Uh, it sounds very wholesome. It's not always wholesome, um, but it's, it's super fun to listen. I love uh, the uh, Gabby is a Dom. 
Oh, yes. That, that's yeah. your, your tale of empowerment with a glockenspiel. Yes. It's funny, though. I mean, you might, people might know the story about this. I'll be brief. It's just uh, when I was living in Long Beach, uh, like 19 years old and an apartment with a bunch of girls, a woman briefly stayed there and her name was Gabby. Her name is Gabby. And she was, it worked in a sex dungeon in downtown LA and she was a submissive. And so she had to wear all the white lingerie. So it's like white teddies and bustiers and all that crap. And so one day she gave me this bag of white, like lingerie. And I was like, Oh, okay. What is this? And she, that's when she explained that she was a sub and that she was graduating to dominatrix. And as a dominatrix, she had no use for the, the naive white lingerie anymore. She had only, she could only wear black and now she was in charge and she was, you know, the dominatrix make tons of money. I mean, they really do make a lot of money and, you know, they have their own clientele. They're basically entrepreneurs. And, um, I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, that's super cool. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Gabby and I aren't really friends anymore, but you know, it was one of those things that always stuck with me and just felt like, yeah, this, there's something else here. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something else here. So you said you're working on a video. Does that mean there's a bunch more new music coming? Um, we do have a song. I'd love to, uh, just premiere the information right now on your wonderful car Kankani podcast. If you don't mind. Of course I don't finally have. Yeah. So it's uh, church of flag is our new single. It's coming out um, December 20th. There will be a uh, a single side. A is Haley Kane singing the song side B is Dr. Kane singing the song. And there's a t-shirt that goes with it. And so there's a video as well. And I taught myself how to use final cut pro because I'm just sitting at home. And, um, this new video is pretty hilarious and it's also coming out on the 20th. So here's a a symbol of the year we're in right now. You said this is coming up in December and I thought, why is she talking about that? That's so far away. I have no concept of the flow of time anymore. December to me seems like it's months away. No, it's next month. It's next month. Time has just flown and moved in such a strange, impossible to pin down kind of way. December is next month. So next yeah. month you have a new, new video. And we're lucky that we recorded this like last winter or whatever, when we were on tour with our drummer, Dougie Tangent. Um, and we recorded it in St. Louis at Encapsulated Studios. And so it was already done. So it's not like we're doing this like, you know, on the fly here in California. So, and it's Church of Flag. It's about being old, but still loving Black Flag. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the um, implications that come with that. Uh Cause as we know, you know, some of us don't make it through punk rock to adulthood. And so it's dedicated to a friend of mine who did not make it through to adulthood, but is still, I still think of her as like the punkest person in the world. So it, it means a lot to us. We're really excited to share it. That's awesome. And like I said, your band is super, it's super accessible sounding music. It's sing-alongable, it's hooky, but again, the lyrics sometimes run counter to what's happening in the, in the melody, which I love. Uh, and it's just, it, it's a super fun band and you've got the right look, the vibe, the attitude, uh, Haley and the crushers. You are Haley. Thank you for doing this. James, you are amazing. Thank you for having me. And I wish we could have had a little bit more meat talk, but maybe next time. I'm telling you when this whole, you know, pandemic thing is done and you're back in the van peeing in cat litter across this great country of ours, you come to Chicago, wherever you play, I'll meet you guys beforehand. We'll go for beef sandwiches and fries. 
We'll load you up. We'll fatten you up as we like to do here in Chicago. We like to fatten our bands up before we send them on the way. And uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll dine. We'll break bread. Thank you so much. I, I'm a, that's the thing I'm going to cling to as I'm having my like, you know, next depressive episode with COVID-19 crashing down. I'm going to think there's going to be some fatty beef on the other side of this. So thank you so much.